We just live right now, man. It's going down, excited for the season. You know, we coming off a playoff win. I mean, you know, we had a couple wins. the beast just saw the bucks pull off this victory over the wizards I'm sure the audio on this is horrible wizards made a fatal error from the start made a greek heritage night basically a quasi home game for the bucks greeks were all over you could hear let's go bucks from the 400 section atop the stadium but you could really tell the bucks wanted this one uh, and it was nice to see them pull it out down the stretch after that horrendous blowing of it against the Sixers the other night. So, get well game, start of a new streak. Nice to see the Bucks do it against uh, D.C. Beautiful court tonight, loved the cherry blossoms. Good place to take in the game. Even better to see the Bucks come out with a win. Hard-hitting analysis. Hello and welcome to episode 149 of the Brew Hoop Podcast. I think that's still the name of it. I don't know. Things are still in fluid motion. But as you can tell, uh, this is not Adam Paris, uh, or I'm sorry, Overlord. He is at the game tonight in Washington, D.C. So happy for him. Hope he's having a good time. Adam, we expect a voice memo. And if you don't send it, we're going to be very, very disappointed. But joining me, as always, is my good friend, Riley Feldman. Riley, how's it going? I'm doing well, Kyle. It's good to see you again week off. Um, hopefully you've been well rested in the interim. Uh, not a lot going on around here. My volleyball team continues to tank in the standings, but that's all right. It's about building week to week, becoming better each week. Uh, the MLS season just kicked off, and my the team I follow there is horrible. They're going to be an awful team this year, so yeah. I'm very used to following <laughs> really bad teams at least. Um and we got some snow today, but otherwise, uh, I'm I'm all good. How about things by you? Um, it, good. I, funny enough, like this past week, I got a cold from one of the kids, so that was pretty fun to the point that I had to take half the day off on Tuesday to just sleep. So that wasn't good. Minnesota United didn't they didn't play this past weekend, but they played the previous week somehow won against FC Dallas. So I was pretty happy about that. But Liverpool absolutely thrashed the living shit out of Manchester United winning 7-0, to so that made it all better for me, um, because last night, I made the decision to go to the Bucks game, and unfortunately, they lost to <laughs> the goddamn Philadelphia 76ers, and that is how we're going to start this show, talking about that game, Bucks lose 130-133, to it was... We'll get to the fourth quarter, but Giannis had 34 points, 13 rebounds. He had seven turnovers. It was not a good game. Most of Giannis's points were at the free throw line. Drew had 26 points, 13 assists. Brooke had 26 points, six rebounds. And Grayson Allen probably had the greatest. He had one of the greatest quarters I had seen in person, scoring 20 points, hitting six threes. It was in a, it was ridiculous the run that he went on. Um, Chris Middleton, we'll talk about more later on, but he had six points, three round, rebounds, two assists, and Jay Crowd only played 13 minutes. So that was the unfortunate part. And what made it worse is that our favorite fraudulent bum, James Harden, had 38 points, nine rebounds, and 10 assists. Um, he did a lot of his damage to Milwaukee in the fourth quarter. And then for Philly, Joel Embiid had, I mean, he had 30 points, 10 rebounds, but. A lot of his buckets were just garble mid-range, and Philadelphia scored 48 points in the fourth quarter. So, Riley, where do we want to start with this absolute monstrosity of a game? Let's let's go with the most positive, first and foremost. Uh, I don't want to be sacrilegious, but did Grayson have the best quarter anybody with the last name Allen has had in a Bucks uniform? You know, hey. no, I, I, I raised before my time, so I can't say if Ray's had... Did he ever have a 20-point quarter like I, I, I cannot confirm if he did or not, but I, I would say had Milwaukee won this game, that quarter would have been the thing that everyone would talk about for years to come. It was yeah. – it truly was a in-the-moment kind of ridiculous situation because 
Milwaukee can't hit any threes in the first half. And then all of a sudden, it's just three-pointer after three-pointer after three-pointer. It is just a barrage of threes. The game gets completely blown open. Pfizer form is getting into it. Like, every shot after after that run, like, every shot that went up, everyone just assumed was going in. It, that was kind of a spectacular, truly on-fire moment. It, it, it was kind of... I, I don't know how to explain it besides... You just kind of sat there in awe because you're just like, how are these going? Because a lot of them weren't, you know, open shot. They weren't the highest of quality. It was just kind of, fuck it, let's just shoot it. No. Um, I The worst part about Grayson getting some stick earlier this season was the spirit of Gray Allen, which was like the, fun- <laughs> the funniest thing to like kind of grace Bucks Twitter in a while was just the merging of those two. That had to go away, but I think uh, Grayson earned that moniker back Uh Strange that he didn't get any shots up. I think after he had that quarter, Philadelphia was like, okay, Tyrese, you're going to have to hound this guy off ball and just make sure he doesn't get a shot up. So I understand that uh, tough to get him another shot attempt. Um, for the rest of the team, Brooke was great. Uh, there's really, I'd say he probably had the best overall night um, on both ends of the floor. Like, did the best he could defending Joel Embiid. He's always, it, it's not even just uh, Brooke Lopez. This is for anybody who covers Joel Embiid. The pick and roll timing with Harden and Embiid or Maxi and Embiid really hard to figure out because Embiid can shoot from three. He'll take forever to do it, but he'll do it. He'll like sort of step inside the three point line, but he won't like fully roll all the way to the basket. Like you said, he'll kind of just get to the mid range. And then Brooke is stuck in that no man's land. And this happened the last time we played the Sixers. Uh, most times we play the Sixers, it's just hard to get a handle on Embiid and Brooke does about a good job as anybody. So um, I really can't fault him whatsoever for his performance. I thought he was also great on the offensive end. Um, Some of the scoring inside I've liked his uh, interior movement. I like the way that we're working the ball to him. Uh, The three obviously be going in as well for him. Um, So great night from Brooke drew pretty good as well question for him is always like where is he best utilized in terms of defensive matchups is he best um, directly on Harden is he best going after um, like a Tyrese Maxey who's pretty quick Um, is there somebody else he could go for so you kind of wonder what's the best matchup he ends up getting the um, James Harden call lots uh, until they start switching him late in the fourth quarter Um, and Giannis was good until he wasn't which was uh playing like some stupid basketball near the end where very clearly the Sixers are throwing two to three defenders at him each time he went down. And it's always tough to tell. Is it a function of he doesn't he like, he just wants to power through or nobody's coming around to help him with like passing lanes or what, but there was a lot of stupid (laughs) shot attempts late that was just for sure. weren't going to go in. Um, And like you said, he kept powering getting to the free throw line. He was great at the free throw line besides the 10 second violation. So credit there. Um, but the the dumb Giannis that will surface every once in a while resurfaced again, kind of when it would have been <laughs> least helpful, unfortunately. So that's kind of like a quick rundown of what I thought, every, how everybody performed on the night. Yeah, I, I, with the Giannis aspect of it, especially in the fourth quarter, it was he was kind of reverting into the, I'm going to charge into this wall. And because he charges into two or three dudes, and one of them is Embiid, who is very good defensively, it's kind of a, all right, I'm going to take this like contested shot that is not the highest of quality, or I'm going to like be in midair and try and like make this cross-court pass, again, while in midair. And a lot of times it either has too much zips and then I can catch it and get like a good pocket, like can't get into the pocket for someone to get a shot off or it's going to another defender or it's too much and, you know, kind of bounces around. It it felt more of the Giannis tried doing too much in that fourth quarter, especially when Philadelphia was going to that run. And I think that's kind of what hurt. And yes, him at the free throw line was great. And that was probably, like I said, that was the saving grace of his night was that he did really well. He, he got the 10 second violation. I think that was honestly his first free throw temp of the game. And then after that, he was kind of perfect. So good on him for that. But yeah, it was definitely a, he was trying to do too much, trying to do, and especially in the clutch where I think Milwaukee just got, and this is one of those criticisms that you see with the Bucks is, 
this is where that Mickey Mouse offense kind of reared its ugly head because it was more of a, okay, we're just going to try and throw something on the wall and hope that it works kind of situation, which I think that's kind of one of the biggest reasons why the fourth quarter went the way it did is it kind of felt like there's too much, okay, they'll figure it out and they'll get it sorted out. And that didn't work. Brooke was fantastic, yes. Um, the tough part with Embiid is Embiid's gotten smarter with his shot selection. He instead of I mean, he still took five threes, but the majority of those threes were open. It's not like he was taking step backs. It it was one of those Embiid was able to get into a rhythm of kind of getting that free throw line kind of not fade away, but he was able to get like get that drop step free throw line shot to consistently fall and. I think in the scheme of things, that's where you would want him to take it. You don't want to try and battle him down low too much, but you also don't want open dudes getting open threes. So I think for what Brooke did and kind of, especially in the first half, slowing down Philly's offense with that zone drop, it went really well. I think Drew did pretty well overall as well. Um, it kind of felt as though this is one of those where maybe in the fourth quarter, I was expecting Drew to kind of save Milwaukee like he has done a lot in this whole winning streak. And it just didn't happen at that point. Like, especially at the end, he has that open, he has that three, which had he made, I think Milwaukee would have either tied the game or been within one. I think had he made it, we're probably talking about a different result, but that didn't fall. I, I think with Drew, it was a lot of picking his moments. And it was, again, very effective in the first half, but just didn't come to fruition when the team needed him most. Um, I want to give a shout out to Bobby Portis because early on he was definitely dialed in. It seemed as though this was going to be one of those games where Bobby's going to go off. It was going to be a good get right game, but I don't know. Like it just felt as though the fourth quarter was just a disaster defensively. And the rest of the game, you could not argue with what Milwaukee was doing. I think everything Milwaukee did was still pretty solid. You, and it looked as though, okay, they're going to be good. Everything's going to be fine. They might not blow this game away. Like, the third quarter is definitely an illusion of once these shots stop falling, maybe Milwaukee does a better job at keeping it at a 5-10 to 10 point margin for a lead, and that didn't happen. But you couldn't – I mean, for all things considered, the first three quarters were good, and then the fourth quarter was just an absolute monstrosity. And I'm just going to say this right now with Embiid. After seeing him in person, though, I have not seen someone – move as slow and look as lazy getting up and down the court than he does <laughs> it is honestly a spectacle he is like if Milwaukee gets a basket he is just laissez-faire jogging back when Philly's on offense and I don't know what Philly's you know pace is but it cannot be that high with him because I feel like he just slows everything down and makes me wonder if this guy was legitimately in shape how dominant would he be but after seeing it in person now, it's like this guy moves at five miles per hour. Did you feel in the stands like you could beat him at a foot race in like a 50 oh, yard dash? Absolutely. Like, <laughs> that's the thing. Like, I feel like even if Embiid put in all the effort to do that, I would still win. Yeah. Because he just looks like if he, I don't know if it's just him being that lazy to conserve energy or if that's just really what his physical peak is, but. No, I've never seen someone look more labored getting up and down a court. It's very strange between him and Harden. They're both very like rotund for their size. Keep watching James Harden. Like it's like he just looks big and it's amazing. He's like as effective as he is given his size. But, uh, you know, maybe they'll catch up with him. Um, so going back to the Mickey Mouse offense, that's fine. We do have a Mickey Mouse offense either because... Giannis is making poor decisions. Drew is kind of like, doesn't know what he's doing until he does. And then it works, but sometimes it doesn't. Um, and then we have guys like Grayson, Pat, Joe, Javon, Jay, and Bobby a little bit less. Um, but a lot of those guys are like, they generally look to pass first rather than shoot right away. Um, which is normally fine in the course of 48 minutes, but when it starts getting tight, then you're like, okay, well then we don't have an option. What you should be able to do normally is have Chris out there who thrives in the Mickey Mouse clubhouse when that theme is playing over the arena loudspeakers. You're like, okay, this is Chris's time. And it just didn't happen. Uh, six, Like you said, six points, three rebounds, two assists. 
he did not have a great game. Uh, not a ton of turnovers, five personal fouls, and a lot of those were kind of late. And to me, this was the first game in a while where I noticed the lateral quickness didn't seem to be there as much. And it was really spotlighted when he was forced to guard um, D'Anthony Melton in isolation or guard James Harden in isolation, especially in the fourth quarter about midway through when Bud went with the starters, the normal starters as we would perceive them so long as Chris is starting. For essentially to close the game like the final five, four or five minutes or so, Chris just didn't, he didn't have the speed to stay in front of James Harden. And a lot of that, he just hardened what there's a reason why he put up 19 points and he was able to kind of get past chris relatively easily and part of that was a function of us giving the switch right away um but throughout the night you could just tell chris did not have the lateral speed that he might have previously and so you have that he's just not hitting anything on the other end um and the passes are okay but if he's going to be physically limited then we have to have the technique taken to another level like to a Joe Ingles, like, okay, this is, he's able to just overcome everything because he has technique. And Chris just didn't, didn't, doesn't yet have that. And I'm not sure, again, is this a one-off or is something to be worried about? Or like, so when you were in the arena, like, how did he look to you in person physically? Like, you know, am I off base or not? No, he looked like someone that was struggling with getting into any sort of rhythm. Of the game, and I'm not going to like. I'm not going to be the, someone that's going to say this loss was completely on Chris being bad, because that is not true. I would say Chris is probably, if I had to rank, he's somewhere in the top three. I'd say he's either second or third, depending on how much you want to blame Bud. I would say Giannis is definitely top two. I've, Giannis and Bud are top two, and how you want to put that, you can interchange. And Chris is probably third. He just didn't look like he was in any sort of rhythm whatsoever, um, both on offense and defense. And the problem was on the defensive side, it was that, oh, you're not, you're not, you, you don't got it. Like you just do not have it. And at the beginning, he got subbed out for Joe Ingles. I think he got subbed out for Grayson Allen, like, a couple minutes into the fourth quarter, like after, after Philly starting to get their comeback and starting to get the game really, really close. He gets subbed out for Grayson Allen and he comes back in around, I think it was like the six minute mark when the Bucks are up one. And it, again, it just was one of those where there was no rhythm for him. There was nothing that he could do. The lateral quickness was getting exposed. You know, George's Niang and D'Anthony Melton are getting open looks um, George Niang, I think, hit like four or five threes in the fourth quarter. But that was just one of those where it was clear that this was not a game that you should have rolled with Chris. Like, this was probably one where for Pat Connaughton started and he got his run of about, what was it, 15-ish minutes, but he pretty much did not see much of the court in the fourth quarter. He didn't see the court at all in the fourth quarter. Jay Crowder, if you're going to make the trade, this is why you have Jay Crowder, so that you, when you need to get some stops. Jay Crowder is there to get said stops. But he started, he got pulled, doesn't come back in. Joe Ingles came in, I think it was also to try and get the offense into some sort of competency. He doesn't have it, and of course, he is then getting exposed defensively. I don't even blame Chris for the fouls, because I think two or three of them were questionable ones that James Harden drew. So and, I, like, I can't and some like loose ball like trying to go for a rebound and you just happen to yeah. get a little too late. Yeah. Like it wasn't like if you see the five fouls, normally it's like, oh he is struggling defensively. It's like no, like one of them James Harden fell on his own foot. Another one was a James Harden's driving baseline, bumps into Chris and does his obnoxious flopping. Like okay. Can't do much about those two fouls. But he just didn't look like he was in any rhythm. I think that's the best way I would describe it was this is why you should have put in Jay Crowder. I said this is probably where having Jay Crowder or even Bobby would have made a lot more sense than to try and run Chris out there because it was clear. he. This was probably the first game where he got exposed defensively and he was not in any sort of rhythm to really recover for it. Yeah. And he just looked and he didn't he just looked passive. I think that's I think that was probably the biggest concern for me is he just looked very passive out there. 
especially on a couple of those uh, George Niang threes. It wasn't even so much Niang did a great job getting off ball. It was Chris kind of just fell asleep in space or just C started walking a little bit too close to like help on the on the pick and roll. It's like, well, Chris, you're not actually going to get in there to do anything. So you might as well just stick to your guy, essentially. Um, so that that's more so like a sharpness, like I said, passivity. I'm torn because on one hand, depending on what the Wizards result is here tonight, we do have the first seed. Like we should well, we should talk wider. 16 game win streak. We got the first seed like we're there. You want to get every win like I want that first seed desperately for this team. Like that would just be I think that would be very nice to have um, at the same time. At some point, Mike Budenholzer has to figure out how far he can push Chris or how he's going to fit in. So I sort of give a little bit of a pass because I think Budenholzer wanted to see what the starters could do in a tight game where it mattered. Let's see what Chris is capable of. Um, We know what Jay can do more or less. Like he's going to continue to work his way into a rhythm, but we, we know essentially physically what he's able to bring. We're not, there's no questions about his physicality. Chris, it's different. So I think Budenholzer looked at it more as like, let's just see if we can work it out like we used to, because we haven't had a lot of opportunities with the starters to be able to do that against top level, what will be potentially playoff competition. Yeah. It's just a shame that uh, we then lost. So <laughs> so that's that's the tough portion of it. So I don't blame the approach. Just the final process, the final result is a bit disappointing. Um, and you know, maybe Jay goes out there and it doesn't work. But Jade seemed to do a decent job guarding Harden. He again, he didn't have the first step necessarily, but at least physicality, he's gonna throw a shoulder into James Harden to at least knock off the opportunity of like a pick and roll easy dump off pass to Embiid. So, well, I think uh, maybe- that's the biggest thing for me was just because Harden is very much someone that he needs to have it in his own rhythm, and if he doesn't, not, if you throw him off his rhythm, he will struggle. It was that was kind of like the big thing for me is you just put him out there just being obnoxious and pick up the fouls, whatever it is, what it is. Yeah. And Jay, what is Jay here for to pick up six fouls? Hopefully the six is like at the very end of a game and that's good. Then he can sub them out or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, you know, frustrating. Chris plays nine minutes in the final quarter. Drew plays 10. Giannis plays all 12. You know, we they tried to go for it. And again, it looks like the minutes all lined up the other starters. So I I don't blame them for the attempts. It's frustrating that they weren't able to close, but in a game of Mickey mouse offense versus Mickey mouse offense, the Sixers were able to out Mickey mouse, Mickey mouse us, unfortunately, but you know, yeah, it was one of those where the game was close and you could tell in the third quarter, it was Grayson Allen hitting a bunch of threes and the fourth quarter was Georges Niang hitting a bunch of threes before, and being at Harden had their like Harden's three to pretty much like take the lead for good was one of those where you you just kind of go are you effing kidding me because it gets deflected he's got a he's running out of time at a shot clock he just heaves it up there and it goes and it's like okay well there was there was a number of shots just like that and beat as well a couple of threes it was like okay I mean what are you supposed to do about that I guess uh, yeah the the only other thing I would note is um I think the final result that made 48 points in the fourth quarter, not great. Uh, if, if Grayson Allen doesn't blow up the way he does, let's say he only makes like two threes, two or three threes. Um, you know, the, things do not look as like, they're still competitive, but I think it was flattering. And um, the Sixers, I mean, you know, what did we have? We had 40 in that quarter, but 29, 30, 31, the other three quarters, obviously Grayson Allen pushes it up. You know, the Sixers were all that much better, I guess. So, um, you know. Yeah. It is one of those where it's just frustrating. It's just kind of frustrating. I'm like, yes, at this point in the NBA, unless it's the final 30 seconds, having a 15-point lead does not mean anything. No. Because that could get erased in two minutes. So that didn't bother. Like, everyone's like, how do you blow a 15-point lead? I was like, well... You're playing the but, sport of basketball in the year 2023. That's how you blow the. It's nothing safe. It could go yeah. in an instant for sure. But how did um the one last thing? How bad do you think Giannis wants to just like dunk on on PJ on Joel and on James Harden for very for different reasons? 
Joel is like a, I'm a like more physically imposing guy than you, James Harden, because they obviously hate each other. And PJ Tucker is like a personal challenge, former teammate, like enjoying the challenge. He, I can understand why Giannis goes into these forcing it, but the key to us beating the brakes off the Sixers in the past has never been Giannis like going through Embiid or whoever. It's just, it's not. So he, he has to be smarter about picking his spots and he still gets 34 points, but um down late he has to understand like we're gonna beat these guys by you being like the chess master out here like you draw the defenders you have to get everything else going so um and he's obviously had a great season otherwise so i'm not gonna it's not a huge blemish but he he should understand what his strength is against the sixers in particular so yeah it was one of those where i was like okay in this particular moment just making like cutting out like the two or three, there was like two or three turnovers where it's just like, what are you, or two or three shots as well. And I was like, what are you doing? It was kind of just one of those where, you know, you can, you can be smarter about it. And if someone else hits a couple shots, maybe we're having a different story. It, but it wasn't necessarily the offense that let Milwaukee down. It was the defense that let Milwaukee down in the end. So it's kind of a, yeah, it wasn't great. So, I mean, Giannis, and, and I mean, Giannis didn't have a good game and that happens sometimes. Mm-hmm. It is what it is. PJ Tucker, they do not give him any respect. He they left him so wide open on all of his three attempts with no care in the world, and PJ Tucker did not make any. And then he left the game with back spasms. So, yeah. <laughs> hey, fi- final question on this: If you give Giannis's three three point attempts to Grayson, do we win the game? <laughs> we have to. What do you think? No, Giannis well, was zero of three. Most of them. What one of them was actually, like? No, they the probably because like. One or two of them was in the fourth quarter. Well, I was like, okay, we need baskets. Do not take this three. <laughs> yeah, and he's, Giannis screwed up. Everybody went, uh. <laughs> don't yeah, do I, there were, yeah, I mean, there was one where he was open on, like, the elbow. And it's like, okay, I don't love it, but at least you're wide open. But you probably could have just, I would say yes. If it went to Grayson Allen, Milwaukee probably wins that game. <laughs> I, want, I want to live in that world where Giannis gives the, ball, <laughs> gives the ball to somebody else. But whatever, that's fine. Uh. Not a big deal. Uh, any final thoughts on the Sixers game or just annoying to lose to the Sixers. I don't know if they're more annoying to lose to than the Celtics. And of course they have to be the ones that end the streak. So it's like, Oh, the only, (laughs) the unstoppable bucks they get run up against by the Sixers. It's just, (laughs) just stupid. Um, but you couldn't write it any better. And also I should say, if you're going to lose a 16 game winning streak, have it come against good, huge air quotes good competition and have it be a competitive game so at least it wasn't like we got punked by 20 by like the hornets or something which is a sad way for a streak to go out so i'm happy uh it went the way it did at least i think it's just more annoying because it's like the sixers beat the bucks earlier in like november and i was like one of those games where i was just kind of like oh this is a load of garbage kind of game where Milwaukee should have won. (laughs) Extremely similar to this game where it was very late. Just like the garbage jumpers for Hilly were better than our garbage jumpers. And that was just the difference, unfortunately. Yeah. Like that. The last game was like, they didn't have James Harden, but yeah, garbage jumpers go in. Meanwhile, and I think maybe Drew, I think Drew's just coming back. So I think that it was just one of those where it's like, this is annoying because it's also the Sixers and they're just going to act like this was their Super Bowl. And now it's, it's just obnoxious. Now Milwaukee has to get – they have to win the next one to split the series. Granted, I don't know if Philly's going to catch Milwaukee at this point, but it is still important to you know get as many tiebreakers and that one seed as possible. So Yep, agreed. Before um, that unfortunate game, and I think the other part that sucks is I was there, so now I'm like, God damn it. Okay. So, but before that happened, the Bucks had two pretty – Standard run-of-the-mill wins. They beat the Orlando Magic 139 to 117. And then they beat the Brooklyn Nets 118 to 104. Um Riley, let's talk about the Magic game. We can talk about that one pretty quickly because I think that was just a relative ho-hum. Bucks win. Giannis had 31 points, seven rebounds, six assists. Drew had 23 points, nine assists. Brooke had 18 points. But it was the AJ Green game. Do we have a single Kyle Korver game his entire time here? I continue to no. <laughs> no, I continue. I want to continue to beat on this drum. And also, we'll talk about Mamu here shortly. In the arena, in the one man leaves, one man leaves in a stretcher, the other leaves victorious. AJ Green comes out victorious over 
fan favorite and Twitter psycho Sandra Mamakalashvili. So uh, I'm I'm happy for AJ. I like the people being like, oh, maybe he has a future in the league. We don't we don't have to lie. <laughs> we don't have to. We can be happy about the situation. Um, and in the best case scenario, he becomes like our new age Bryn Forbes, where it's like you're literally here to gun <laughs> and take and. Bryn Forbes could at least dribble and he would dribble inside the three point line and take stupid shots, but at least he could like sort of dribble. AJ doesn't really have that. So we were still a ways away from that being Bryn Forbes, but Bryn Forbes filled a role on the team and apparently AJ Green is capable of doing so as well. So it's, it's gone obviously far better than anybody had any right expecting it to. So shout out to nepotism. I appreciate you. It, it was pretty great. Yeah. The magic game was kind of a, all right, we're just have AJ Green bomb a couple threes. That's going to go in. Okay, we're going to have Brooke bomb a couple threes. That's going to go in. Grayson Allen was four of eight. Uh, Joe Ingles was four of seven. It was just, you know what? We're just going to throw 56 threes, and we're going to make them all. And Orlando is going to not shoot well at all overall. And it was just, this was just a Milwaukee is a better team. And that it's just that simple. I yeah, I mean, we literally we made twenty six of fifty six from three for forty six percent, and they shot made three or nine threes. What else do you need to know? We just <laughs> blew the doors off of them from three, which is great. And, uh, and, and Giannis three made a third of it, so it's like Cole Anthony had three <laughs> of seven. It's like okay, well, he was the only guy with the pulse. <laughs> yeah, I mean, literally everybody. Drew had like the worst of the guys who shot a bunch at one and seven, but everybody else shot like really well even Giannis which is unfortunate because that's going to get the wrong ideas in his head but whatever we'll take it it doesn't matter it, it, yeah I, I I watched that game and it was kind of a yep after after halftime once it got to halftime I was like okay this game's over cool I, I don't need to see anymore <laughs> I don't I don't need to pay that much attention <laughs> yeah you weren't worried about the comeback you're like it's the magic they're in there like John Hammond's rushed down to locker like hey guys you're doing great keep it up we got to get this number one seed we got to do everything we can. So yeah, it's, yeah. once, once it got a, out of hand, it was kind of over, which is good because earlier in the season, it would not have been necessarily the case. So a, a testament to where the bucks are and why we got that winning streak that we could just stunt on the crappy team. So happy about that. Yep. And then we have the Brooklyn game. That was a little bit more interesting because Brooklyn went into halftime with a lead. It was quite a shock. I think for a lot of people, um, I think they were up like eight or something. They're up. Yeah, I think they're up 10 going into halftime. Um, and then Milwaukee decided to start trying in the third quarter. Um, 39 points in the third quarter and then 27 in the fourth quarter, only limiting Brooklyn to 19. I think this one was just more interesting because it felt like the tough part with Brooklyn now is because this was a team that was so ISO dependent on Kevin Durant and Kyrie. And it was kind of like, okay, we know. Watch these two dudes and everyone else. Force them, to, force someone else to beat you. While with this Nets team now, it's kind of a, all right, well, maybe Cam Johnson's going to get hot. Or Spencer Dinwiddie. Or Mikel Bridges. And it was kind of just a rotation. Like, Mikel Bridges was 11-19. He had 31 points. He was, I think that unpredictability definitely kicked in. Plus, Milwaukee was very sloppy early in the first half. And... I think this is going to be one of those, like, now the Nets are the, oh, they're just like the scrappy team, and, you know, if they can put it together and get a superstar, they'll be okay, and it's like, wait, hold on. No, that's not how that worked. (laughs) I've heard this story before. (laughs) Yeah. um, Giannis dunking on dudes, extremely entertaining. Probably our most effective option. And it's very satisfying because the last time we played the Nets, Nick Claxton did, like, a decent job getting in Giannis's head. And in this game... Had nothing for him, but he dunked on Claxton like three or four times, and him and Dorian Finney-Smith, and they were all like vicious. I, I think Giannis like, was taking it personally. I think he yeah. remembered and was like, "I'm gonna make sure this doesn't happen again." Yes, and it's perfect Giannis stuff because all he against the lither guys like uh, Nick Claxton get a little bit of space, a little bit of movement, and you just go through him. The issue is when you try to like post up or you allow him to get position, and Giannis did not allow that to happen. Happy with the team fighting back out of it, but yes, they were extremely sloppy. So 
um, they had to come out in the third quarter and start executing. And to their credit, they got the lead, and I think they gave the lead away again. And I think the Nets got it back up like by two or three points. And it's like, oh, are they going to answer now? And then we just didn't let them. Um, especially the defense late on some of the drives. Now, they're the Nets with, now they can do a bunch of team concept stuff, but now they're all guys trying to figure out what it is, to, what the pecking order is or who does what. Um, and we did a great job shutting off like um, Cam Thomas or Cam Johnson, like both of them late, a uh, couple of steals. I think the same thing with like Spencer Dinwiddie, who is another guy who knows how to run an offense competently or call his own shot. And yet we were able to like essentially just shut off any sort of drive to the hoop um, and things Really, like you said, they really just kind of dried up for the Nets. So uh, happy that we were able to do that. Um, and I'm like looking through all this. I didn't even realize now how heavy the Nets had run their starters plus two guys off the bench. Like, <laughs> is uh, Jacques Vaughn trying to kill his players? Uh, but the minus 26 from Royce O'Neal is, is amazing. So, um, you know, quote unquote scrappy team uh, out here in the East. Again, on the road too. Um, good performance all the way around you preferred to be dominant from start to finish but happy with the fact that they were able to claw their way back which they didn't have to do a ton in the winning streak but they kept it alive another night by doing that so yeah bobby hit a three with a middle half left in the third quarter and walk just never looked back after that so it, yeah it was one of those where most of the time when milwaukee's on that win streak it's kind of a either back and forth affair, which Milwaukee is able to pull out in the end, or Milwaukee gets the lead, doesn't look back, takes it from there. I would say the Clippers game was probably the only other exception of the, okay, you got to claw your way back in. Like, you got to fight, claw, do what you need to to get it back. But, yeah, otherwise it was kind of a, these are the kind of games you got to win. And again, against a team that you don't know what to expect out of them with the trade and everything. And Jock Vaughn was like, screw it. We're going all in. We're unplaying these guys for all they're worth. You, you got to go with it. So yeah, that's kind of the week summary. That was a two in one week. Wouldn't be awful if that loss was to Brooklyn. I think I would have been okay with if it was to Brooklyn <laughs> and not Philly. We- we should also note Giannis on bag watch. Uh, some of the moves he was able to pull out in the paint. He kind of just did a little bit of everything. Turnarounds, you know, obviously running at the hoop layups, like through contact, slicing up dunks, uh, you know, face-ups, whatever he wanted, Giannis was pulling it out the bag. Now, he should probably whittle it down to just like, here's here's my few things I'm really good at, but we're on bag watch and in, in against the nets, he was able to go into the bag quite a bit. So good job. Giannis. He was probably the one big plus and Chris, Chris was decent as well on the yeah. offense. We should give, we should give him credit where credit's due as well. Yeah. That was one of those games where it's like, okay, we're seeing Chris kind of get back to his old self, but moving on to some of the other things that happened in the week that was, uh, so we mentioned Sandro Mamukilashvili, uh, ended up getting waived after the, I think it was after the magic game. He ended up getting waived. Um, ends where, up with where, the, where is, let's let's go right into it. Where were you when he found the note? When you heard the news, I what was doing. At, and did your phone just fall out of your hands? Slow motion. Somebody had to be like, "Kyle, are you okay?" You know, I felt some chills. Like you know, it's kind of like that. <laughs> you know, like how a Jedi sometimes like has that sense of something went wrong. Like I had that, and I was at my desk at work. Um, you got that. You got that Order sixty six vibe at work. Yep. You're like, well, <laughs> it's like something doesn't seem right here. Uh, so that that had happened. <laughs> okay, awesome. That's actually why Adam's not here. He is still yeah, trying yeah, to process yeah. emotionally that news. Um, but he's in San Antonio, so he's going to do a great job at running the tank command for the Spurs, so they can get Victor Wembanyama. And I'm going to just realize that life is not fair, and San Antonio will be gifted another generational superstar. It's, it's well, when Benyama is going to have to take the role from Sandro. So it's, he's got big shoes to fill. So it's not, it's pump. I mean, it, when Benyama is going to need a year, it's going to be a two man game of him and Sandro. And we're not ready for it. I, I genuinely, genuinely hope that that's the path that Mamu takes, because that would be the funniest of all. It just becomes like the, that one, um, 
compilation of like Shaq and Kobe where the, it starts at their feet. I just want that. But for Sandro with uh when Benyama for the next decade. So I hope that's what happens. Uh, so that happened. And then with some of the open roster spots, the Milwaukee Bucks brought it, it brought someone in. It just got announced today. Um, Bud had alluded to it uh, Saturday night after the match against the Sixers, but Goran Dragic is a Milwaukee buck. I guess they needed to bring someone in. Not sure why it had to be him, but it is what it is. They they chose a guy who historically I've struggled pronouncing his last name, and that's not for a lack of trying, but I've pronounced his last name about six different ways <laughs> since like the Heat Bubble series. And it's really it's a point of embarrassment for me. Um I should just I'll just state it for the record for so uh, Dragic has been with Chicago this year. He was with Brooklyn last year and Toronto as well. 51 games on a, frankly, a horrible Bulls team that's going nowhere. Um, averaging like 15.4 minutes a game. His splits are 425 overall, 352 from three, um, and six, 659 from the free throw line. What the hell? Yikes. <laughs> averaging, that was like his thing was getting yeah. to the hoop and getting yeah. free throws. <laughs> Not great. Um, 6.4 points, 2.7 assists, 1.4 rebounds, uh, and a turnover a game or so. So he, he is the, um, Jeff Teague of this season. And as we said, we've talked about before, he's a goon. He's a guard goon. You really don't think of guards as goons, but he's a goon for sure. Um, 36 years old, so he's he does not have a lot left. Um, but yeah, that's... I mean, like you said, it's a guy who is going to play maybe five minutes in a playoff game to spell guys. I hope. <laughs> I think. I hope. It is. If Javon Carter gets hurt, okay, Dragic can be a backup point guard and you give them 10 minutes in the playoffs here. That's it's not even, I don't know if it's Jeff Teague. Like it's just straight up. Like this is all it is. It's it's deep, deep bench, even deeper than Jeff Teague was, which is, I mean, that's as deep bench as it gets really. Um, yeah, it's fine. It's literally fine. It's, this is an end of the bench guy who, like I said, is not going to play a whole bunch. I think, like you were saying, leading up to the buyout season, the your one of your main concerns was, can we just get a guy who can handle the ball? And Javon Carter has a lot of strengths, and he could bring the ball up the court as well. But sometimes his like flow, I wouldn't see he has great flow within a team offense, which is fine because he's effective with his threes and mid rangers. But some of the he isn't as good to me um, finding other players in good spots, and so maybe Dragic comes in. That's literally it. Bring the ball up the court, kind of get somebody else in a good position to let them work. And that's fine. That's that's like a tool. That's a guy. That's a role to fill off the bench, which is, I think that's fine. Yeah, it was one of those where in in the chat, in our Discord chat, the name got brought up and everyone was like, no. <laughs> everyone was just all in unison like, no. But it's Jeff Teague-esque, show up for the group project. Don't make things worse. That's all you got to do. Is just don't make things worse. And I did ask for a ball handler. They got one. It is what it is. But I think the big thing, and we kind of were talking about it primarily at the Sixer game, but Chris Middleton is back. Uh, other than on back-to-backs, he seems to be now consistently coming off the bench. So he's played 12 in the last 15. Again, most of the time when he's not playing, it's back-to-back situations. He has 15.2 points, uh, 47% from the floor, 28 from three. Is that pretty? 91% from three to line, so that's good. 5.3 rebounds, four assists, 2.2 turnovers. So I guess, Riley, the big thing is, one, are you surprised that Chris has still been coming off the bench? And two, what do we make of his return from this injury? I am a bit surprised that he's still calming off the bench. Um, I don't, I guess I shouldn't be because they've been very cautious with his injury rehab all season long. Unsurprising that they decide to slow roll him off the bench as well. I think he fits as a sixth man as well. If that's kind of the role he's fitting right now, save him for late in the game or again to carry second units bench units that's what he would have been doing from a starting position anyhow so there's no harm in bringing him off the bench 
especially if there are slightly easier defensive assignments to be had as well. My question is, how mediocre can Chris be and we still are like a real threat against the Celtics of the world? Because as we've talked about ad nauseum, if Chris was out there, we'd be two time, probably two time title winners. So we think this Chris is not the Chris that was with us during the title run, which is an understatement, obviously. Can if he sustains, let's say this is where he's at the rest of the season, is that good enough to get us over the hump? That's what I'm wondering because after tonight, after tonight's game, I think we have 18 games left, um, 17, 18 games left. It's not a lot before the playoffs. And so, how much better can he get in, let's say, a month and a half? He could probably get a little bit better in terms of offensive flow lateral defensive movement i'm right now he's just working through his knee problems on the fly and that's just like a tough spot to be to suddenly all right now it clicks like we're not going to see it one game to the next like okay now now he's back that's just my my biggest concern it doesn't matter to me starting off the bench he'll as per the sixers game he's going to get minutes um the question is how average relative to what he's done in the past can he be and we still be like a, a threat with everybody else around him because as adam and i were talking about or even you me and mitchell a couple weeks ago like the the roster is deep like we're deep all over the place we have the starters and then like a good solid five or six options off the bench um is that enough to still overcome chris sort of shuffling a little bit for him so in terms of can he get over the can it be the thing that gets them over hump? I don't know because part of me wants to say the Bucks have done pretty well in general with Chris being okay, pretty much being okay. We, we just won 16 in a row. Right. Until the sixth game. We won 16 in a row. They won 16 in a row, and there wasn't really that many games where Chris was kind of – it was like, oh, that one, they won this game because Chris Middleton played really well. I cannot think of any game where that happened. So on the one hand, it's like, well, the Bucks did just rattle that win streak off. But on the other hand, the reason why it was kind of like, okay, we can be okay with like Chris easing back into things is because we're expecting him to be the second or third best player that Milwaukee has. Like, in it, like we are expecting him to be part of this big three. We are expecting him to be able to win games on his own. And that's not... And I don't see any sign of that at the moment. So that's the big concern is, all right, you need you need this guy to be it, and he has not shown it. And yes, it is still, we're trying to ramp him up. There's still another 18 games. I think the Philly game was the most minutes that he had played um, since that you know minute restriction. So... And I was at 27 minutes. So it's definitely like a slow ramp up, which I'm fine with. I know some people are saying like, oh, should we be concerned about like Chris not playing a lot? Of no, I'm not concerned yet. Now, if it gets to later this, like end of this month and Chris is still playing 25-ish minutes, yeah, I'm going to be, I'm going to be, a, I'm going to be concerned at that point. Um, but I think a lot of it is go- kind of coming down to, all right, who Will he be that guy that you give him the ball, we need a bucket, give him the ball, and he's going to score? And I think that is still there. I think we that will come eventually. But at what point are you risking everything else with the team, defensively especially? And that's where I'm starting to get concerned. Because again, like I mentioned in the Sixers game, it's like, okay, well, Pat Connaughton also having injury issues and getting more or less eased back in and he struggled and he gets 17 minutes and he got yanked and we didn't see him pretty much the whole fourth quarter. Do we have to do that with Chris? Like that's why you get that Jay Crowder trade so that you could in theory, okay, you know what, Jay, go in, play the defense and hit a couple shots. That's all we need out of you. Joe Ingles, go in, facilitate an offense. We, we just need some spark plug on offense. Bobby, go be a spark plug on offense. Like that's where... I am concerned is if Chris is going to still look this poor defensively and he's not giving you anything on offense, then 
how is that any different than what Grayson Allen could potentially give you? How's that any different than what Pat Connaughton could give you? How's that any different than what Jay Crowder realistically or like it's just now asking the question of all right, well, what are you going to provide otherwise? Because we know Giannis is going to have to be the best player in the series from walking to win any series. I think Drew has now taken that step into I can comfortably rely on Drew to help Milwaukee out. And then depending on how things go with Bud's scheme and switching everything, how much are you, how much is Brooke Lopez going to make the difference? And that's where it starts getting a little hesitant after that. So I think Chris will come good, but I would be lying if I said, I'm so, I'm shocked he's still coming off the bench, but I don't hate it. But if he can't at least show some consistency on the offensive side, like you can't shoot under 30%, like that can't happen. Like, even if you're shooting like 34, like mid 30s, I would take that. We have room in our rotation for a six man, which is what Bobby is. We don't, very rare is the team that's constructed to have two six men. And especially if both of them are like big question marks on any given defensive matchup, which is what Bobby is. This is why Bobby has series where he's a great fit and he has series where he's just, it's not going to work. If Chris, who, like you said, is ostensibly our second or third best player, is now like currently at least on the level of maybe he's got it, maybe he doesn't. That's that's a problem because, like you said, Brooke has been very, in my opinion, very good with his interior play. I think he's been used best, like in an offensive sense, the best he's been used in like a long time in terms of the team, like team flow, but you play a smaller team or some other team that's going to, you know, essentially switch them off the floor. Okay. That's gone. And <laughs> who else on the bench? The other guys on the bench are supposed to be there. Like you said, for like, you do a very specific thing. You're not like going to step up and suddenly be like the next score. Grayson Allen's not going to be that. He, he could be good for like solid drives. He can be good for threes, but he's, he's not going to be able to, we saw it last year. And you can discount that a little bit, but he's just not going to be able to step up and be like, now he's my third scorer. And so, and the other thing is, like you said, going from 25 minutes to 40 minutes, which you might need from Chris in a tight series where you have to start winning. Like we have a seven man rotation and Chris, you're going to have to go out there for 38 to 40 minutes. I mean, that's a big ramp up from averaging 25 to, like you said, 27 being the most that he had uh, so far on the season against the Sixers. So not panicking whatsoever, but I think there's reason to continue to wonder. We rise and fall based off of the big three. Chris is one of the big three, and if he's going to kind of be middling, um, you know, we'll see. And I, I think the defense, if he can just be it's, it's just a hair better, I think we can survive that with everybody else because we we have lineups that can route there to be like very defensive heavy. Um, but yeah, even like on offense, he, he could pick it up a little bit more there as well. I mean, we go out, maybe it's good for the team that it forces everybody else to be creative, but um, you know, a little bit more production from him there would be helpful. So it's it's hard hard to get a read on, hard to get a read on right now. I'm glad I'm glad he's playing. I'm glad we're building them back into it, but it's, you know, we are starting to run a little bit low on runway space at this point. So. Yeah. It's one of those, can they beat Philly? Yeah. I think they can still beat Philly with Chris's current play. Can they beat Boston? That's a coin flip. I don't know because especially a team like Boston, where their main two guys are Jason Tanner and Jalen Brown, and you're going to have to hope Chris can handle one of them. In theory, that that's and, a little and and be lights out on the offensive end as well, like right. And because Boston's defense is going to force you to be good offensively, yeah, yeah. I don't know. We'll I, see. I think he could, and I think that also the big thing that also makes this really interesting is he does have that option. So we have that whole free agency aspect of it. <laughs> nah. We don't talk about that right now. I mean, Even no, though, he's going to take the option because it's a lot of freaking money. <laughs> yeah. And he is not playing nearly well enough to be like, oh, I'll command a huge. Everyone's going to be like, you sure? Can we get and literally everybody, any other team in free agents to be like, yeah, but our doctor is going to need to see that knee, though. Like, we're going to need let's let's check out. He's like, nah, 
I'll, t- I'll take the 40 mil actually. I'll, I'll take, take the 40 mil and Suki Hobson. Yeah, let me do that. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask you moving off of Chris, um, cause you weren't here last week to talk early Jay Crowder returns. So me, you and Mitchell talked about the trade. We hadn't seen Jay at that point. Early vibes on Jay Crowder. How do you feel about him? His performances thus far? I think it's not going to be, you know, PJ Tucker level of, okay, like throw him on Kevin Durant for seven games and let everyone else do what they need to and call it good. But I've been impressed for a guy that had not played. And I, I said that, like, we're asking a guy that hadn't played competitive basketball in almost a year to just like come back in and like more or less be that final piece. And he has looked pretty good. I think the shots, it, I mean, that's just Jay Crowder. Some games he's going to hit four or five, three, some games he's going to miss everything. But I think defensively he has looked a lot better already. And that's not going into the account of everyone is on, like, this is still Milwaukee relatively still focusing on drop scheme defending like zone drop defending once they're able to start going okay everyone's switching and everyone's on that same page that is where i'm going to be very intrigued and i think that's where we'll see the biggest return on what jay crowder can provide because i think offensively it's like he might hit shots he might not but you're getting him pretty much to do what like what we asked pj tucker go guard jason tatum for this five minute stretch while drew or Giannis chill and call it good. Go annoy James Harden for a bit. Go even Donovan Mitchell. Like, if you got to do it for a couple, like, it's one of those, like, go bother that dude for, like, a five-minute stretch while Drew and Giannis rest, and then they can take over from there. I think he can do that job. So I've been relatively impressed. Like I said, offensively, I'm not too concerned because I don't think, like, yes, the shooting would be a bonus, but Milwaukee brought him in more to provide that defensive intensity so i've been okay i'm again for a guy that hadn't played basketball in eight months he's looked good yeah two things one he hasn't been around long enough to know that you're not supposed to shoot the ball right away if you have an open look uh so i look forward to that getting beat out of him two you're totally right about the switching defense because we really like you said that's not the base scheme where he has shined the couple of times is when the when we do go to a switching scheme late in the game um or like the game's close and we start switching and all of a sudden there's a guard or a wing or whoever james harden um and i'm trying to remember the guys uh what's his face for the Suns? whose name i can't devin booker he's like okay oh jay now he's on jay here comes the isolation and jay has stood his own no problem now maybe he doesn't beat them to the first step but he's able to harry them enough that they're not going to get a clean look necessarily so there's still a lot of, I think, uncovered potential still there, which is um, awesome. And yeah, he doesn't do much else, which is fine. <laughs> he, he is the antecedent to Joe Ingles. Joe Ingles is the I am out here to razzle dazzle and score occasionally in like more creative ways than just taking threes. Now he will just take threes, but I'm not going to provide much on defense. Then you flip it. You're like, OK, well, we really need defense. Jay Crowder you're able to fit for pretty much any sort of situation, any sort of scheme you go for. So um, I think I was maybe expecting slightly more in terms of uh, making threes, but at least he takes them. Like unless, unlike PJ, like I said last week, PJ just didn't really take them at all, which is fine because he knew his role. At least Jay is a threat to take them. So um, slight give and take if you're doing the PJ comparison, but good enough for, I think, it to be still considered a, a winner of a trade thus far so we'll see yeah in the playoffs. i mean you gave up guys that you weren't going to play and a bunch of second round picks I, it was a good trade so pretty happy about that um now we are going to i was going to say we're going to go into a break we're not doing that we're going to go i have some rapid fire questions for riley pretty much all of them are going to revolve around i guess more of a quiz the winning streak that was so i'm going to ask you a couple of questions riley You're just going to have to try and answer them. This is based on Milwaukee's 16-game winning streak. So the first question, what was the most amount of points Milwaukee scored in a game during said streak? And you can either – if you don't don't have to be exact. You just got to try and either get the team or the point amount. I would guess the Magic game 139 would be my 
top one. Maybe that's recency bias. No. No. The magic one was pretty high. I think that was the second. Yeah, the magic was the second highest. Um, but it was 150 on the first game against the Pistons. That was the oh, first game of the yeah, winning yeah. streak. That, that was a, because the Pistons also put up a lot of numbers. So it was like, this is awesome, but also the Pistons are hitting. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And Milwaukee scored 84. <laughs> <laughs> so that was, an, that was another one. It was done at the half. You're like, all right, I can go to bed now. Yes. Um, with this win streak, how many of those games were at home? 16 games. I'm going to guess seven of them. No. Way off. Way off. Yeah, no, it was it was nine. Oh, you were okay. way off. So okay. during the win streak. Who was the team that Milwaukee played the most? Uh, there are three answers that you could have. Okay. Um, the Nets? No, we would have. No. Um, man, this is lame. And this is really compelling audio for. <laughs> I know. Oh, uh, the Heat. Yes. Okay. Um, okay, sorry. There's only one other team that had the same amount, but there's one other team. The Heat is one of them. The Heat and I'm trying to think back right now. Um, was it the man? Was it the Bulls? No, it was the Clippers. Oh. The Bucks played the Clippers <laughs> on February second. That was the Giannis oh, 54 yeah, point yeah, game, yeah. and then they played the day after the Lakers game. Yes. All right. Second to last home, question. Home and away, home and away, yeah. Yeah. Second to last question. In the victory against the New Orleans Pelicans, the Bucks scored 135 points. Who was the leading scorer of that game? The way you were, that question seems to strike me that it would have been somebody in the other team, or is this the leading buck score? The leading buck score. Oh, he was also the lead. It was also the leading score of the, the game. Leader overall. overall. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Man, we beat the Pelicans. That was that was right after the Pistons game. Is that right? That was the second week. They had, the Bucks had just beaten the Pistons, Nuggets without Jokic, and the Pacers. Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay, I'm gonna guess. Um, Pelicans, I will guess Brooke Lopez. No, Giannis had 50 points that game. (laughs) (laughs) And the final question. What was your favorite win during the 16-game win streak? Oh, that's that's a more fun one. Uh, Low-hanging fruit, because I think if we look back, there wasn't like a lot of impressive opponents or games between the end of the All-Star break, coming back out of the All-Star break. I think the Suns win was probably the most fun uh, marquee game, middle of the day, competitive. Again, had a lot of similar vibes to our finals games where it's just chaos. And then um, Devin Booker throwing it up. And uh, even though we didn't get to see KD versus Giannis, there was enough star power out there to make it compelling. So probably the Suns was my favorite win of the bunch. That was probably the only other one I was thinking. The one I am going to go with just to, have a different answer was that first Clippers game at home where Giannis had 54 just because of that comeback in general. And that was one of those games where it was looking not great for Milwaukee for a stretch. And then they somehow just like, okay, we're going to just win this game. Like Giannis was like, I'm going to win this game. Give me the ball. I'm doing it myself. And that was against a Clippers team that had Kawhi, that had Paul George. So it was, you know, the Clippers almost at full strength. So that was probably the only that was probably like the other notable game where it was kind of like at home on prime time. And then Yadis just goes and says, I'm going to win this game drops 54. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a shame that uh, Tatum ducked us uh, before the all-star break. I want to see, I want more good games. Stop ducking folks, both us, us and them stop ducking. I want to see the good. That's why the Sixer game, despite the end result was a lot of fun. This is like, okay, more or less full health teams. So, a shame that we lost that one, but at least it was a little bit different from beating. I mean, I'm running through now Detroit, Indiana, Denver without Jokic. I mean, it's, you know, 
you you beat who's in front of you, but it wasn't like the like craziest opponents we had to get through for this. Well, it was funny because yeah, I was like at the beginning of the streak, I was like, okay, cool, you know, games that you expect Milwaukee to win, and then I was like, okay, the Clippers beat them, all right, that's pretty good. The Heat, a team that has been annoying, kind of dealt with them, beat them, all right, cool, cool. And then it was kind of like, okay, now you're beating the Blazers. And then you go and beat, win both games in LA. And especially, thankfully, the Lakers won. Didn't matter as much because LeBron was out. But it was kind of just like starting to be like, oh, these are games that you want. Like the Celtics game, even though, you know, Tatum ducked, it was still like, okay, cool. Win that Celtics game. Beat the Bulls, get payback on them. All star break happens. Blow out the Heat, beat the Sun. It was like, now we're starting to get like these games that are starting to matter and seems to be close. And that's why I was like, oh man, if they had won the Sixers game, because that would have just been another, okay, now we're starting to get to the serious part of the season. And these games are going to matter. Milwaukee is currently half a game up on Boston. And that's still up in the air how it's going to end because right now, Milwaukee is up by a point with. I was going to say. It's a- Three minutes. Javon Carter is 6-10 from three, so it's that kind of game. But Boston is losing to the Knicks. Um, There's nine minutes left in that game, but Boston's currently down nine. I love – this is the best. I'm glad we've reached this part of the season. I'm glad there are things to play for, and I'm glad I can scoreboard watch and it actually means something. So we've, we've made it. All the NBA fans, the slog is more or less over. We're at the good part of the season starting now, so. I kind of feel like, the, yeah, I feel like the slog, like normally you would think about now would be when the slog is, but I think with just like how much later All-Star game weekend seemed, plus Milwaukee was, I feel like Milwaukee got their slog out of the way early. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like like that December, January, like beginning of January is kind of like that slog of like, all right, Giannis is hurt and in or out drew is hurt in and out chris is still not coming back he he comes back he's out i felt like that was kind of like the slog for milwaukee so yes i am glad we are past that but to end it we are going to do our prediction so tuesday milwaukee is at orlando thursday they host the brooklyn nuts and then they do their next western conference road trip and go to Golden State on Saturday. So, Riley, what are your predictions uh, for the week? I think we're going to 3-0 it, I hope. I feel like the Magic are obviously not trying to win anything. The Nets, they're scrappy, so maybe. But at home, I hope Giannis will just stomp on them again. And the Warriors have Steph Curry back. So even I hope that's a win, even if it's a loss, a moral win for all of us as just watching uh, competitive teams. So, but I, I think we'll get it done all three games this week. I agree. And I mean, the Warriors did just lose to the Lakers. So I, <laughs> yeah, I, uh, 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 yeah. <laughs> folks don't, don't look at your podcast app, but you're not stuttering. It's just, uh, uh, what are you supposed to say? <laughs> yeah. Is that the point? I mean, <laughs> the Lakers just beat the Warriors without LeBron. They, I mean, Anthony Davis had 39 points, but I still expect the three all week. So yeah. Okay. Good. That'll be good. But yeah, that is it for us. Uh, make sure to check us out at brewhoop.com for all of our usual stuff, report cards, Monday morning media roundup, uh, progress reports, quarterly check-ins, all that wonderful stuff. Uh, make sure to subscribe. Also give us a couple of reviews. We can use some five-star reviews at this point. I don't, again, we're still alive. We're still going to be alive. How we're going to be alive, I don't know yet. So until then, we will talk to you next week, and thank you for listening.